Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So welcome to another episode of Men Up, Men Down. Today we're joined on the podcast by Joe Horton from Guild of Dads. Joe set up the Guild of Dads podcast and uh, Brotherhood for Dads in 2020 after he went through a period of great personal change and upheaval in his own life after his dad's passing. He now coaches and mentors other professional men and dads who are at the midway point of life in order to navigate this tricky time with greater balance, purpose and thriving relationships. He also organized a monthly dad's hike in the Ashdown Forest in Sussex, aptly called the Guild of Dad's Hike. Joe, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. It's always good sitting down with a couple of other dads and waxing lyrical about everything dad stuff. So. Yeah, and if I say timely, you probably can just hear the dog is barking because there was a parcel delivered. Great fun. That's how to start a podcast, right? <laughs> well, I'm waiting for mine to start off because he's in the other room, so he, could, yeah, he, may, he may well start off at some point. So. <laughs> Brilliant. But that's if I say that's what it's all about, right? I can't talk. I just, I just had my lunch. I probably... Being this post post lunch slum, you know, if I say the the, the naturally of, of recording a podcast, we just talked about it before we went live in terms of you know what what all could happen, right? It's just just part of life. So, Joe, we we spoke a few weeks ago. I don't actually know some, someone introduced us, and you're doing a lot of things for for men, but you're also, if I say, doing doing your day job. Do you want to give us an overview of, of your story? What what happened? How you started the Guild of Dads, and we take yeah. it from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, I'd kind of always been into self development, as it were, uh, and dabbled in kind of meditation and various different things, kind of throughout my twenties and thirties. I did the usual thing of, you know, listening to. I'm just trying to think what it was back in those days. I guess Brian Tracy, Les Brown, and a lot of the kind of American sort of motivational speakers that are kind of that were kind of the staple sort of thing. So I'd listen to them in my car, but. What happened was in 2015, uh, my old man uh, passed away in February 2015. So that's what, seven, eight years ago now. And in the kind of aftermath of that, obviously I was grieving and going through you know, bereavement. But it also kind of put, caused me to kind of reflect on my own life because I was 36 at the time. My dad was 70. So that's kind of, you know, that in my mind, that was kind of the halfway point of life sort of thing, assuming that I lived as long as my dad did. But it came as a bit of a shock to me. And in the aftermath of it, I was kind of like, oh, okay, so what does this mean for me? Does it mean that I'm going to be doing you know, my day job forever? Does it mean that I, I want to do something different? Have I left my mark on the world? And to, to make it clear, my life wasn't bad in any sense of the word. You know, I've got a home, a roof over my head. I've got a wife, kids, two two beautiful girls, you know. But I just had that nagging feeling kind of in my sort of, I sort of describe it as being a new sort of solar plexus that kind of, is this it? Is there something more? Is there something else that I, that, that I need to kind of do? Um, and up until that point, you know, I'd followed the kind of the usual pathway that I think a lot of guys do. Settle down, have kids, get a house, 
and then everything will be kind of happily ever after. And I think that what I learn and what I think a lot of guys experience but find hard to articulate is that you reach this point where, in theory, objectively on paper, you should be really happy. You should everything should be going fine, and actually you should be feeling high levels of life satisfaction as you sail off into the sunset. But that's not always the case for a lot of guys. And I realized that for me, fortunately, uh, dad's passing was a kind of like a wake up call, if you like. And what happened was that a year or two after that, I was listening to, I was driving away in my car, I was listening to a podcast and it was uh, a guy that might be well known to listeners, Ryan Mickler, who does the Order of Man podcast. He was interviewing a guy See, he was being interviewed by a guy called Jordan Harbinger that used to that that is a very popular big podcaster in the US. And he and Brian was talking about this brotherhood that he had for men, which had a like a monthly subscription fee. And you as part of it, you created a vision for your future in order to be uh, a more capable man, dad, and and impact the world in a in, in a in a lot better way than you'd been doing up until that point. And, I, and at the time, I was like, hmm, that sounds quite interesting. I've n- never done anything like this at all. I'll sign up for it and see how I get on. And the long and short of it was that over the 18 months that I was on that, having the accountability of other guys around me, actually creating a vision in a number of different areas of life. So mental health, physical health, relationships, contribution to the world. It gave my life a lot more kind of structure. But more so than that, it meant that I found that life became more meaningful and it had a purpose. And I, and I knew where I was going in different areas of life rather than kind of just floating along. And I, and I talk to guys about this, that often when you're kind of floating along and you don't really know where you're going or what you're doing, often life becomes a little bit meaningless in the sense that you, you, the lights are on, but nobody's in, you know? So, um, so that's the kind of path that I've, that I've been on. And so in 2020, I started the Guild of Dads podcast. I, formed a kind of community which initially there was a facebook group which i've subsequently shut down because i have a bit of a love-hate relationship with facebook that's fine so yeah so i've kind of um so i've so i now have like a, a membership brotherhood for dads as you mentioned there is a monthly hike which i've started this this year on the ashdown forest and i and i help guys on a like one-to-one basis as well so that's kind of my sort of story in a nutshell and off the side of that there's you know I went through relationship difficulties in my marriage so I've learned about that side of things I've kind of I've I've interviewed a ton of people about around psychology and, and meaning and purpose and all these different things on my podcast so you begin to kind of join the dots up as to what are the kind of the main things that are impacting men and dads and and why they are impacting guys in the way they are I'm not a psychologist. I've not got a degree in psychology or psychotherapy or anything like that. But you begin to form a picture in your mind as to the common things that guys are struggling with and why they're struggling with them and what helps or certainly alleviates some of those struggles, you know? Yeah, I mean, you've sort of a lot of what you've mentioned was was when me and Volker first met. It's pretty much all the... uh conversations that we had which you know resulted in this podcast i mean we've we've talked about this before but as you say you kind of you've ticked all the boxes and you know to a certain extent you know you might think well 
that guy next door to me has got a slightly better car, but I've got a slightly better car than the other guy on the other side. And well, I mean, like, so we moved down to, to this, I say this area. So I live very close to where Joe lives, which I only discovered after we'd got him on the podcast. So <laughs> there, there could be some uh, some talks about local beauty spots that won't be of any relevance to anyone else. But yeah, you know, it, it's, it's like, so when we moved here, I remember sort of, well, first of all, we'd moved from London and we only had one car and it was like, right, we're in quite an isolated position. So we're going to have to buy a new car and I remember like sitting on the drive with this new car and I was like I've made it now you know this is it and you know funnily enough it's like well actually I've not lived in complete contentment in the last 11 years since that moment and you know like you you said you've got teenage daughters I mean my my daughter's um well she's year eight so you know literally just become a teenager and that you know is is like stress in itself in how you know that that change that relationship has changed and it and it's like just so many sort of aspects of it you know and it's not a popular thing to say and you know and again it's that thing of appreciating what you do have but you know you, you sort of think that when you've got to this and i think you know you judge your dad as well or you know your parents you're like when you've got to this age, you're, you know, from, you're like, oh, that's when you've got it sorted. And then when you reach that age, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. And I, and I think the thing is as well, is like, what got you here is not going to get you onto the next bit. I mean, I read a lot of Jungian books around Jungian psychology. There's one particular author I really like, James Hollis, who talks about finding meaning in midlife. And he talks about living in an examined life. But what he essentially is saying is that like in one of his books, he mentioned that he mentions that the the first half of life is like the ego journey where you're going after things and haves and wants and stuff. And then the next part of life is like, is like the soul journey. So you're, you're, you're the way in which you approach it and the skills, resources and tools you need for that part of the journey are kind of a different. So, but the problem is, is that I think that, Sometimes what happens is we we are trying to run a 2023 PC, and you could use the word, you could use Mac as an example if you're a Mac guy, but you're trying to run essentially something that is 2023 on a 1995 operating system. You know, and all the stuff that you did in the kind of first part of life, which particularly in terms of for men, it's almost like coping mechanisms, you know. And we've talked, and I think we've exchanged messages about the, about alcohol and stuff and 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 how a lot of guys now are kind of falling out of love with alcohol as it were that's a prime example because we grew up in an era where people went out and binge drunk every weekend in town centers and it was very much a fabric of what we did growing up but the problem is is a lot of guys are hitting midlife and they're like actually i've been using this as a crutch to anesthetize how i feel about life for the last 20 odd years it's no longer serving me, but hang on a minute, everyone else does it and everyone else is using it. So what should I do? Should I stop doing it or should, you know, and it creates this kind of conflict as to, you know, because when you're younger, you're like, yeah, I've got, I've got to fit in with everyone else. I've got to be like everyone else. And then you're actually, the more I do that as I get older, it's actually causing me more pain trying to be like everyone else than just doing my own thing. You know, it's a very, it's a very paradoxical thing that we go through. 
I'm sure we'll come back to alcohol in a minute. You know, even even that thing of like, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. And then when you do actually kind of go through a period of not drinking yourself, you suddenly find all these other people that, that aren't drinking as well. And you're, well, you know, like, I guess me and you as well, you know, it's like, oh, it's somebody else, you know. And it is almost, well, I guess we're conditioned to think, you know, with alcohol, oh, well, everyone is doing it. But yeah, as I say, I'm sure we'll come back to that. I, I start Googling these books um, you mentioned. It's quite, quite interesting. I mean, I haven't read those books, but it kind of brings it back to, I think, our first ever episode about middle-aged and life and, and midlife crisis, right? What is the purpose of middle-aged life, right? Why, why, why do we get to this point in our lives? I mean, for you, the trigger point was, was, was your dad dying, but what, what are the trigger points? I mean... Why, why do we get to, you know, half stage or what, whatever stage and go, shit, what is our purpose, right? Why, why do we need to compete? You know, why do we need to have the bigger car and, the, you know, the, I don't know, whatever, the bigger bank account and everything else? And then you realize, actually, this, this is actually not important. Why does it take us 45 years? Hmm, that's a good question. That's a very good question. I think one of the thing, one of the things that quotes that I like that again coming back to Jung is he says he says that the greatest burden for a child to bear is the unlived life of a parent. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has lived their lives in the way that their parents wanted to them. In fact, a lot of people have done the complete opposite and lived their lives in a complete opposite way, you know. But I think that either subconsciously or consciously we take on a view of of what success in life looks like. And I think for much of the Western world, that that is based around material success, having certain things, status, all those kind of the, the normal kind of things. And I think that there is this point at which, you know, I talk about something that I call the barbecue, the barbecue story. And what I mean by that is, you know, you 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 meet up with someone in the summer at a family barbecue or you've got friends around or whatever and that. Let's call him Bob, for instance, and 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 you sort of say to Bob, "Oh, how's things going, Bob? Oh, yeah, I've got just got back from a holiday in the Seychelles, and uh, I've been promoted at work, and um, life's going really well. But I could earn more money, but it's not necessarily about the money. I actually just want to spend more time with my wife because our marriage has been struggling recently, and my parent died last year, and I could do with losing the gut, you know. And it and it's it, there comes a point where I, I think that the the allure of that material life kind of drops off and then you're kind of like, oh, actually, so what is then? It becomes an existential crisis because what else, what else is there? Because that's all we've been told. <laughs> Most of us have been told that's, a, that's what life revolves around, you know? Um, and I think that's where the crisis begins to happen because you're just like, well, I feel guilty for feeling this way. I shouldn't feel this way. I've got everything that anyone could want, but I still feel like shit, you know? Sort of something that springs to mind from, from what you've said there is um I was well I was watching the uh, the Jesse Lingard documentary. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't no. I mean I don't know if you know who Jesse Lingard is. I mean I know he's a footballer. Yeah, I mean so essentially he, he did this documentary about it touched on his mental health struggles, but predominantly his mum, who's like suffered from severe depression all her life. And he, you know, he sort of says, well, you know, it shows that basically, you know, with money, you can maybe get the best doctors, but, you know, you still can't change anything. And and 
and you know, and I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to. Well, you know, it's it's that who wants to be the richest man in the graveyard sort of thing. It, you know, it's like you get to a certain point when I mean, well, it's human psychology. You know, sort of anything that's new and exciting isn't going to be new and exciting throughout your life. But I think it, you know, it kind of gets to the point where you're like, well, actually, having X amount in the bank protects you from some things but it won't protect you from everything and and it's like well you've got to try and find meaning to get you through the things that money won't get you through yeah and i I think as well because you like for most of us when we're kind of younger you have like an idea of how your life is going to play out or you've certainly got a rough even if you don't even write it down on paper you're like you know settle down have kids get a house da 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 or some version of that. But the thing is, is what happens when you reach fatherhood is that you've achieved, you may have achieved quite a lot of those things. And then you're kind of like, okay, so what is my vision for the next bit? What does that look like? So, and for, 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 for many guys, I think that it looks like, oh, actually I'm in this job uh, and I'm in, I've got this life, but hang on a minute until I retire, that's going to be another 20 years or possibly longer based on the go- the government, the way they're going at the moment, maybe even 30 years. And you sort of think, do I really want another 30 years this? Or do I want to kind of change something or do something different? Or even if it's not change jobs, just to have something else that, 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 that is an interest. I'm just brought up something quickly while I'm on here. I posted a post on LinkedIn around something which I call the crossroads of masculinity. Now, we know that the age at which most guys are going to take their lives are going to be in their, I think it's their late 40s, I think it is now. So there is this kind of part in the midpoint of life over a decade, maybe a little bit longer or whatever. Uh, and what I noticed when I was interviewing people, but also speaking to men, was there's a number of things that happen usually during this 10-year period. And I made a list of these things. The first one is loss of a parent. Often there will be a loss of a parent that occurs the second thing is male postnatal depression. Now, you guys might want to get this guy on your podcast. Mark Williams is the founder of Father's Mental Health Day, and he's done a lot of work around what's called perinatal mental health, so paternal mental mental health and, and postnatal depression in men, which can often occur if there's been a traumatic birth. And what it does is it resurfaces trauma trauma from the past so it brings to the surface mental health issues that have kind of often laid dormant so um so that often happens in the in the period immediately after birth and the years after you've had kids so so you've got possibly loss of a parent but um uh, postnatal depression in men addiction issues often come to the come to the head as well so think drink drugs porn gambling this kind of stuff often will come to the head during that point marital problems is another one loneliness we and again i think we've may have discussed this before but a lot of guys when they reach this point of life a lot of their friendship groups have shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk so the only guys they're seeing are, are the husbands of their wife of their wives friends <laughs> so that that's that's kind of it so you've got loneliness workaholism which is again they're everything is focused around work and providing so they they become a stranger to their wife and children uh, lack of meaning and purpose and this what i just described to you as a is the post child no man's land so you've got this period after you've had kids but you've actually got another few decades where you're like, actually 
what is going to happen here and also failing physical and mental health you know a lot of guys if some are doing exercise but a lot of us will have put on quite a few pounds might not be looking after ourselves but our mental health particularly well um that comes into kind of self-medicating medicating it with addiction and that kind of stuff and also the, you're at the halfway point of life so mentally you're thinking well, hang on a minute I'm roughly halfway through life. What's happened up until now? What you know, from a time point of view, if you had a ticking, if if you were looking at a watch ticking down, tick 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 tick, you're thinking actually, shit. What mm, I've got, I've got limited time now. So you know, what am I going to? It becomes a bit more urgent to try and work out some of this stuff. You know, it's a, it's, it's what I call a clusterfuck of stuff <laughs> within, like a, within a it ten is. year period. And then everyone goes, oh, why is he going through a midlife crisis? Well, I think probably if you, if you take on board all of this stuff, most people would probably go through a crisis of some degree. You know? I, I think it's, it's interesting what you're saying there. Shouldn't it be, you know, if, if, if we, if we um, believe, if I say the glossy brochures we got, you know, at the beginning of life, as you said, described it earlier, right? Success and career and everything else and money and you know, then once we get to 40, 45, should we not be, and I discussed that with my wife, funny enough, yesterday, should we not all be settled down, have enough money in the bank and just enjoy the rest of life, right? And just, if I say, almost like, I don't want to say flatline, right? But go on nice holidays and, and just have this really secured lifestyle. I think that's how it was sold to us, right? Um, how, how life will, will look like. And I agree with what you said, because I think a lot of people aren't and don't have this lifestyle so you know whether it's a cost of living crisis at the moment or you know if i say generally speaking you know you have problems with one child or you know there are issues with with our parents um you know we we get our first niggles you know cancer you know whatever whatever the case might be right and we we're trying and you, you nicely described it we're trying to cope with you know whether it's alcohol um, you know, or, or mental health is the, um, declining, right? Work, workaholism is, is, is escapism, isn't it? It's like, you know, we, oh, I'm so busy at work, so I don't have to worry about, you know, I don't know, cooking dinner for the kids or whatever. And I, th I think everything we, 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 we had this shiny brochure of how great life could be, once of a sudden, I think just disappears. And you go like, shit, life is real. And as you just said, right, we have another 20 years of that. And I don't want to have another 20 years just, just sitting here suffering. I, I want to make the most out of it, which on the one hand, I would argue, should get us really excited about the second stage of life. Because we, I'm, I'm actually believing that the time is not ticking down because we, we all live longer, right? So, so in theory, if we stay healthy, if we look after ourselves, if we change our lifestyle, we could potentially prolong life to, let's say, 120, which means, you know, at 40, we're only one third through life. And that should really excite us, but it doesn't because I think, and, and I'm talking about myself here a little bit as well, I'm sometimes wondering, shit, if I have to live until 120, can I afford it? Will I be healthy enough, right? And, and what am I going to do? You know, who, who wants anything to do with a 110-year-old Volker, right? I mean, <laughs> no one goes like, you know, certainly David's not going to go like, oh yeah, Volker, let's go for a walk at 110, right? <laughs> Well, no, we'll be we'll be heads in jars at that point. So we we we'll Probably, still be yeah. able to do we'll still be able to do the podcast, the podcast for men in well heads in jars. Yeah. Men up, men down, 
is sponsored by WellDoing. It's a great platform for finding a therapist or counselor. They only accept verified professionals and they make it really easy to find one who is right for you. You can also use their personalized matching service so your availability, budget and needs are expertly matched with just the right person. If you didn't already know, success in therapy is down to making a great match with your counselor and the people at WellDoing really know how to make that happen. Plus, they have loads of stories, videos and interviews to support your mental health. Take a look at welldoing.org. But then I, th I think we're going to look back and say we have regrets because we should have realized that's much, much, much sooner, right? Because the other 45-year-old, and, and I'm not saying 45 is a year or 40 is a year, but there are other people that went through that crisis and they should have taught us, but we didn't listen. It's like a child not listening to their dad, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that my realization is I think that men go through a soul death before they go through a physical death, many decades before that. And I, and I think that the reason that I say that is that I see, you know, not just in my old man's case, but I see, I've, I've experienced a lot of men in their 60s retire and think, oh, yeah, I've put all this stuff on hold, like, you know, for the last however many decades, and now I'm going to live my life. And then they're dead within five years of retiring. And the reason being is, is, is that they've played their identity and their value to the world has become about what they do as their day job. Everything is about what they do as their day job. That is, you know, that is what gives them their value in the world and stuff. And when that stops, all of a sudden, it's kind of like, okay, so where do I, why do I need to get up every morning? What do I need? So what do I need to do? And, um, and, and I've seen lots of retired men in their sixties, you know, that they'll stay busy for the first, you know, six months or whatever, doing the house up, playing golf, doing whatever they're going to do but then after that you've got then okay so what are you going to do now and and meant for many of them it's all been about what it's all been about work and then and i've even experienced recently a friend of a friend he's he's retired and he's and he's and he said to and he and his plan was to get a camper van and go off traveling around europe and his wife's turned around and said to him i oh, actually um i don't want to do that I'm quite happy chilling with my friends, going to Pilates on a Thursday. I've got my life. But of course, because <laughs> because there's been this disconnect for for decades that she does her thing and he does his thing. And all of a sudden it's kind of like, and I've seen it in guys' Facebook groups as well, where guys have kind of like, oh, well, um, and this is mainly to do with relationships where they've said they're struggling with their marriage and they've asked for people's advice. And then guys have said, oh, okay, so are you going out on date nights? How much time do you spend with your wife? Do you sit down with your wife and listen to how her day's been for like half an hour a day or 20 minutes in the evenings or whatever? And they're like, well, no, because we've, we've um, this one guy I heard him say, uh, we've accepted that our marriage is on pause until the kids are a bit older. And you're like, so you have these, you know, these periods where people are pausing their life in order to, so it's a really weird but I agree with you. I think the second journey, the second part of the journey should be something that you really look forward and relish. But I think the difficulty for, mo for, for many men is that I'm kind of going to hold up a coaster here. On one side, you've got this, this wall of change that they've got to get over in order to get uh, off and on to the next part of the journey. And I think for a lot of guys, they hit this and they're like, how do I get past this, this 
this barrier without, you know, and how do I have a rethink as to what is a priority for me and what's important to me? Yeah, I mean, oh, you've you've touched on quite a few interesting things there. I mean, I think, you know, on on, on one hand, I mean, you sort of talk about like drinking and addiction issues. I think, you know, in some ways, there's a lot of people that that aren't aware that they've reached this point in life. Um, and not only that, you know, it's the fact because in general men don't talk that you don't realise that actually it is normal to feel like that. So if you are aware of it, you know, so, you know, not only are there people that aren't aware of it, but there's people that may be feeling that, but thinking, but, you know, I can't say anything because everyone else seems so contented with their life that I must be the one that, well, that read the playbook wrong, but didn't get it right. Yeah. 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 And and there there is that where people are struggling to talk about it. But I think that also there is this kind of, I, I talk about, I one thing that I'm kind of quite passionate about is helping men and women overcome what I call parental martyrdom. And what I mean by that is that, again, many of us have fallen into this trap of everything revolves around the work or family. There's nothing else in between. And what happens is that mum and dad lose their individual identity. Couples lose their identity, you know, their, their kind of, their bond as a married couple, if you like, because everything kind of revolves around around the kids and they feel guilty if they leave their kids with a babysitter or if they take time out or they do anything that doesn't involve the kids because that means they're, you know, they're a bad parent and stuff. But in actual fact, people need to realise that putting themselves first and then prioritise what, what's prioritising what's important to them is the most selfless thing they can do because the biggest gift you can give your kids is to have a, for them to see a dad that can get his needs met inside and outside of the relationship, a mum and dad who are able to have a, have a strong relationship whereby they can communicate well together. They've Mum's got her own friends, dad's got her own friends. They do stuff together as well, and we will do stuff as a family. But the, the world doesn't revolve around your kids, you know, and, and I think that what often happens in my experience with dads is that they just will not, say to their wives you know okay look i mean the, the the hike is a good example of this you know i organize a hike and i know for instance that there are quite a few guys who have contacted me who could really do with just spending a couple of hours a month talking with other men going for a walk but each each month there is an excuse as to why they can't and that is a really interesting psychological phenomenon that someone needs some you know some some time out from the family but they're not willing to put themselves first just for like a couple of hours once a month to do that i find that interesting uh, because it speaks volumes about how much value we put in ourselves as guys and you know and how much we're willing to invest in ourselves just for a short period of time once a month to recharge our batteries to come back to the to, to the family unit recharged and as as and refreshed and as a guy we want to be you know so and by the way uh i know you were down to come and join us that's not a point in you at all um <laughs> uh, my, po- 
Yeah, no, I will. And, and um, I, I am, I am determined to come along to the next hike. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for me to get there. <laughs> yeah, but you're you always banging on about your five a.m. routine. Yeah, but then I still have to get over there, right? Maybe I have to have a sleepover at you as well. Yeah, come and have a sleep. Yeah, come and have a sleepover at mine. <laughs> I like this. You guys calling each other out live on the podcast. Yeah. Good. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't mind me. <laughs> But um, I mean, oh, you, you again, you've touched on, on something there. I mean, when I first moved to this area, because I didn't know anyone and, and I was, you know, I wasn't, I hadn't started my alcohol free journey for want of a better word then, but I was kind of like, well, I don't know anyone to go to the pub with on a Friday night. So I joined the triathlon club, you know, it was like getting up at six o'clock for a swim. And, you know, and that was like my, my life for, you know, the first sort of certainly five years of living, living in this area. And then as the children got older, it was almost like, actually, you know, I need to be around to help out because like my son started football and daughter's doing dance classes and stuff. And I mean, it was, you know, well, since we've been doing the podcast, I think there was like one Sunday where I'm just sat in the lounge on my own and I'm like, my daughter's out with her friends, you know, my wife uh, is doing something and I'm like, and I've not, you know, I used to, I, I used to be out on a cycle, you know, on a Sunday afternoon and I'm like, actually, we've sort of almost gone past the stage of doing stuff as a family and, you know, and again, that's sort of something that, you have to get used to but it's like so my daughter is independent and you know part of that was starting a feeling a bit of malaise and you know lack of purpose and it's like all right well I've got to get back into my cycling and I mean well yeah Ashdown Forest is morbidly I've said to a friend well and my wife that I want my ashes scattered there because I mean like there's a bit where you come down on your bike and you just got the most amazing view it's it's just oh it is just like one of the most amazing places in the world. But yeah, you know, and, and sort of, as I say, it's almost like just cycling along that bit. Well, you know, makes me think I want my ashes scattered here, but you know, it just makes me feel alive. And it's very morbid there. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we, we don't like to keep it too cheery on this podcast. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is that I, I needed that awareness and also I needed, it was like, right, well, I need to sort this out. You know, I can't, I could just sit here and be like, oh, no one wants to spend time with daddy anymore. Um, it's like, well, I, yeah, then, you know, I'll start doing some of the stuff that I like doing. Hmm. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was a point at which you, you just said something that it makes you feel alive when you're doing that. And the world needs more dads that, that feel as if they're alive. And the thing is, is when you're kind of stuck inside and you're kind of stuck in that, like that, that, that negative feedback loop of, I can't go out and see people and, you know, and it, and I, and I feeling down. So I don't want to go out and I don't want to go out and see my mates or I don't want to mix with anyone. And that the hardest thing is, is that when you feel like that, that is exactly when you need to be going out either by yourself or, or to see other people. Because like I, I, in my journey, I came out, I came up with, so the tagline for Guild of Dads used to be vision, action, and meaning. And then I realized actually that there is an equation there, which I call the meaning equation, which is vision plus action equals meaning. And what I mean by that is you can either have a big overarching vision of where you want to go. You take action on that vision uh, and, and that 
and that makes life more meaningful or actually life can be can be made up of lots of little micro vision action meaning moments and it can be as simple as oh i want to i want to put up a shed in my garden vision you're going to take action on actually building it and then you stand back at the end of it and you think oh that was i did a good job there meaning and it could be as simple as oh, i'm going to you know use the we keep mentioning ashdown forest oh this sunday i'm going to go for a walk i'm going to say to my wife and my daughter i'm going to go for a walk up the ashdown forest for a couple of hours and i'm going to have a pub lunch vision then you take the action and then afterwards you're like oh i've got memories of that experience there's the meaning so that so i realize that life is made up of lots of very you can have big vision action meaning but there's lots of little micro opportunities for you to build this into into your life and, and one of the things i think you know having suffered from depression myself um is you don't feel like doing anything when you feel depressed you just do not want to do anything and then when you've even if it's as simple as putting your shoes on putting your coat on and going for a walk for an hour or so again vision action when you get back you feel better for it it's the constant these constant little opportunities vision action meaning that really do make masses of difference when you're procrastinating you know volker may be able to relate to this when you're procrastinating about something you know you should be doing and then you actually take that baby step and actually just make a start on it why would i know about that (laughs) (laughs) i'm not procrastinating everyone Um, procrastinates (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm actually not that bad compared to. Oh, really? Are you? Okay. Well, I, I'll I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> yeah. No. no anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think but, I've got someone delivering a parcel. I've got to go. But, um, um, there, there's something else you mentioned when we first spoke, Joe, and I think you mentioned it earlier as well. The brain cannot cope with the modern world, right? And if I say in, in, in line with that, the other question I have. I, I know people, and, and I'm not calling, I can't call them out, but I know people that just kind of sail through life, right? They never get to, to say, have a midlife crisis or midlife thoughts. And they just, I want to almost say they, they, they live the perfect life, which I know isn't a perfect life, but for them, it's just, it's a flat line, right? And, and you know, everything is fine. You know, they, they never lose a job. They never have marriage problems. You know, on, on the outside, everything is fine. And I'm sure it's not on the inside. So wh- why do some people, in, in terms of coping, cope better with, you know, with, with life and just, you know, just, just seem, at least on the outside, just sailing through, whilst others actually stop and think? And why, at least in my opinion, and, and, and prove me wrong, because I, I don't have stats to back it up, I think more and more people now stop coping with life and start questioning why why they're doing things does that make sense as a question i don't know yeah it does mate yeah 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 and funnily enough i was talking to some friends about this on friday night when we went out and we were talking about in a similar vein to your question we were talking about how sometimes if people have not really had much in the way of adversity and hardship in their life they often yeah. create drama and 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 often if you have had uh adversity or hardship you 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 don't go seeking drama. You kind of like, you're like, you, you not, don't do everything. You you don't do everything you can to avoid drama, but you certainly don't consume your life with trivia. I've segued to something slightly different, but in answer to your question, I think, I think 
if you look at our kind of parents and grandparents generation there would often be like a job for life so they'd be yeah. you know they'd they'd be an apprentice at 18 or 16 or whatever when they left school and they'd be doing that job right until they retire so whereas i think now i think people change their jobs and their professions almost a lot more regularly throughout their life so there is i think more acceptance that you're going to look at different avenues and explore different possibilities but but i think there is also an element of awareness here as well like like for instance i know people who have like let's use death as, as an example they've lost a relative through chronic disease and they're like afterwards they don't really reflect on it um there's no awareness there at all so they're like oh well life's too short anymore anyway so i'll carry on i'll carry on smoking drinking and eating shit food because i'm going to die anyway you know so you have people of that kind of mindset, but then you have other people that will say, hmm, something's happened. Hmm, I better reflect on what that means for me. What changes do I need to make going forward? And I think it just comes down to, I just think some people are more aware than others. And I think that certain people have a lower tolerance in that something happens in their life and it, and it causes them to have a rethink whereas other people it something might happen and they're like oh i'm just gonna carry on as normal uh, and the, because they just don't have that level of, of awareness and insight you know um and that's not a like when we when i was talking to my buddies the other night yeah one of them said you but you mustn't blame people for not having that insight and i think that's an important point to make like if people don't have that insight, you mustn't get annoyed or frustrated with them. You just have to say, okay, look, they just, I just say they don't get it. You know, that's the, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean that they just don't get it. They just don't get it. Like some people that I kind of vibe with, they get it. They understand it. And like, if I explain to them my story, they'll say, yeah, I completely get that. I, I understand why you'd feel that way. And I, and I fully get it, you know, whereas other people, they look at me and like, why would you want to do that? Like, why would you, why would you want to do a podcast and talk to people? Why, why would you want to get up and go and organize a hike on at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning once a month for dads? Why would you want to do that? Yeah. They just don't get it. You know? Yeah. I, I know what you mean. It's, it's almost, sometimes I envy these people because they, they don't have the self-awareness, right? As you say, they don't, they don't worry. I think they worry less and I might be wrong. It's just me from the outside looking in. And I think, coming back to, 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 to coping, right? I think they, they cope with things differently. Like, like I'm, I'm almost too self-aware in that sense, right? That I, like, like I, I went out at lunchtime just because I don't have any other time today because I'm silly blocking my, my diary up more than, you know, I tell every client they should block their diary up. And, um, so I, I took the dog for a walk and I'm like, why do I actually, have to plan to take the dog for a walk. I should take a natural break at lunchtime to just cope with all the shit that came in between nine and one or eight and one, right? And and and, and decompress. And then I look at other people and go like, I'm actually envy people that don't have to do that, that don't have the awareness. And they just carry on and carry on and they don't have to cope with things because they just carry on. And I always wonder mm. if they just, you know, combust at some point. Or is it just me combusting because I, I I'm I'm oversensitive to all the influx? I mean, I guess everyone mm. is different, right? Yeah, I think it can be. <laughs> it, it can be. A, I, I suppose it depends. It can be depending on what kind of person you are. It can be a blessing and a curse. Like you, you could be someone that doesn't worry, 
but is just naturally really good at self-care, looking after themselves, and that stuff is just second nature. Or you could be someone that doesn't worry, but is in a, in a kind of self-destructive mode. But one thing that's kind of quite interesting in the people that I've interviewed is that there's a book called The Blue Zones where he basically went around and looked at all the different areas of the world where there's more people living above 100 than any others. And although there was diet, although diet and lifestyle played into it, the biggest thing was connection, connection and connection to, to other people in small scale societies. And a lot of these good people aren't rich people. They're not, you know, living extravagant lifestyles. They just have a very simple life where they're, but they're fundamentally connecting with some sense of community on a regular basis, which again comes back to the meaning and purpose. They're involved in some things. I mean, I think, you know, sort of what you talked about in terms of, of, you know, following what you felt your parents wanted you to do. And I mean, I think society has changed so much since we were at school or, you know, when we entered the workplace, like people entering it now, it's completely different. So for our parents, you know, it's, so, you know, I guess, you know, part of it is, well, as you say, you know, our brains aren't wired for modern life. But I think, you know, the amount of change that we've seen in the working environment due to technology and other factors. Well, and, and coming back to Volker's point, I think, so A, you know, it's natural that we're like, whoa, you know, this isn't kind of the ride that I got on X amount of time ago. But then in some ways it's like, well, actually there are oppor- career opportunities that weren't available to us when we started work. So it's like, well, actually, perhaps we're in a position where we can, you know, have a, a more fruitful second stage of our life. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think we just need to, I, I think we just need to remain open to to a different path and a different journey for for us as we, as we embark upon a midlife rather than actually thinking, well, I've got to keep doing the things that I've done up until this point. And I think the more open-minded you can be and the more you can look at different routes and opportunities and, and ways in which to live your life, I think that that is going to be better. But it, it does some it does generally more often than not take a bit of ruthless self-examination. That is, that is 100% for sure. We're unfortunately uh, at the end of the episode, but um, if people want to get in touch, Joe, um, and you know, as I say, I will, I will, I certainly will be coming for a hike on Ashdown Forest. But if uh, anyone wants to to come to Ashdown Forest or just check out your podcast or your other content, how can they find you? The best way to do so at the minute, I'm most active on LinkedIn at the moment, so you can look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Joe Horton. There's a page for Guild of Dads on LinkedIn. There's also Guild of Dads website, which is guildofdads.com. Uh, but yeah, I, those are the, the areas I'm most kind of active at the moment. I, I was active on Instagram and Facebook. I've kind of sort of like drifted away from the metaverse recently. And yeah, so uh, that's that's the best place. Those are the best places to uh, to look me up. And by all means, shoot me a DM if anything from this episode resonates or an email, joe at guildofdads.com. Thanks very much, Joe. No worries. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com. 
with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.